welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, Hit that subscribe button, because if you do, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is one right now at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which means that we are live on YouTube. Go to the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel and subscribe there. Hit that notification bell, because if you do, you'll be notified when we go live at 7 p.m. on Mondays. Then you can come in, be a part of the show, comment on the show. We love responding to everybody's comments. We love hanging out with everybody here. And you can be a part of the show, literally. It's so great. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. Zach's had a busy few days, uh, despite the fact that Tennessee did not play a football game. Tennessee did find out the bowl game that it's going to be in. The Vols will be playing in the Citrus Bowl against Iowa, which was an interesting choice, but... Um, and obviously, I mean, that's going to be a huge part of the show day. It's, it's really over the course of this Monday, this show became packed. It went from like, oh, we're going to talk about the Citrus Bowl to being like, oh, there's 15 different things to talk about. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll cover it all. What's up, Zach? Yeah, I feel like we're kind of getting used to this new world of college football, right? Where the big offseason day used to be the first Wednesday in February with National Signing Day. What, just five, ten years ago, that was the the thing everyone looked forward to. You would take off work if you're a huge college football fan, huge Tennessee fan. <laughs> same, same, even before I did this full time. Uh, it was it was a fun day. And now it's uh it's like the first Monday in December is the big newsworthy day where the portal opens and coaching stuff still happening. Just just complete chaos, really, especially with the bowl stuff thrown in, the playoff which we'll obviously get to uh, probably the biggest story in college football the past couple of days. Uh, it's it's funny. The season ends and uh, all the news really, really kicks up uh, the day after, two days after the conference championship games. Yeah, th- that was really the first time, probably in the 10 years of the, of the playoff, that I have been truly compelled to watch the announcement show. Like there, there's been ones where you're like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to leave out such and such or whatever this is one where i was like dear god do not let alabama in this stupid playoff please this is so stupid like i i really had genuinely strong feelings about it where i was i mean we're going to talk about this in just a second but where where i actually let myself be upset by the the decision that the committee made because it it pissed me off (laughs) i i really think it's a it's a damn shame uh so well, at least it, at least I didn't let Georgia in as well because I think <laughs> all of us had a little like a little moment when we saw Texas pop up at number three. Uh, it was like, okay, they're not going to oh put both God. of them in. Thank goodness, somehow. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that one hundred percent. But hey, let's go ahead. Let's talk about it right after. I tell all the good folks at home about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over seventy five years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans 
for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200 plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ Farm Bureau Helplines. Thanks to them for supporting the show as always. So let's start here because Tennessee ended up in the, in the Citrus Bowl. But Tennessee ended up in the Citrus Bowl, not, I, I, I would put it this way, Tennessee backed its way into the Citrus Bowl is <laughs> probably a better characterization of what happened. And one of the reasons that Tennessee ended up in that slot is because Alabama got put in to the playoff. Alabama was not there to take up one of the New Year's Six spots and bump somebody down out of the New Year's Six. And so you had four teams between the playoff and the New Year's Six from the SEC that got into those spots. And that moved Tennessee up the hierarchy, essentially, uh, in, in bowl games. And then last year, LSU played in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, and so they didn't take LSU. They kind of they shoot off LSU, and LSU's playing in what was the Outback Bowl. What is it now? The Tax Slayer Bowl or the ReliaQuest? ReliaQuest Bowl. Uh, so they're the there. Bowl. Yeah, and, and the Tax Slayer is a Gator Bowl. But then Tennessee ended up in the Citrus Bowl that way. But... I mean, what what had to transpire for that to happen was that for the first time in the history of the college football playoff, an undefeated Power 5 team got booted and didn't make it in. And the main thing that I thought about after they announced that Florida State got, got the boot was if this had been Tennessee <laughs> in this spot, it would have been Shiano Sunday. It would have been protesting in the streets. It would have been state legislators getting involved. And I, I believe there were actually, I think, didn't uh, Rick Scott made a comment, made a, he made a statement um, I, I saw. And, you know, saying it was a sham, just like burn it all down comments from, from Mike Norvell, from the AD, from the ACC commissioner, I think. Just like all these people just being like, screw these guys, screw this system. This is a sham. And I, I will put it this way. I 100% agree. This this was the most egregious miscarriage of justice, if that's how you want to put it, that, I, that I've seen in this sport pr- probably ever. I, it really is absolutely insane, and, and I was beside myself. I, I don't know how you felt about it, Zach. Yeah, I, I wasn't quite as passionate about it, but I definitely felt like Florida State should have got that spot. I, I mean, I felt like the first three spots were pretty obvious there at the conference champions, especially the two undefeated ones with Michigan and Washington. Uh, Texas winning the Big 12, beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa. They were kind of automatically in, in my opinion. I thought it had to be Florida State. I mean, you went undefeated. You held a top 15, top 20 team to six points in your conference championship. It wasn't pretty, but you still won by 10 points, by double digits. I, I don't know when, when this – you got to, they had to go blow them out, like narrative kind of started. Like, I never really felt like that was fair. It's a conference championship. You shouldn't have to blow anybody out. Like, that's it's the two best teams in your conference that are supposed to be playing. Florida State played a couple of SEC teams this year in LSU and Florida, won those games. I didn't, I didn't understand how you can fe- possibly leave them out. Like, they did everything they possibly could have done to make the playoff and they didn't get in. And Alabama, did not do everything they possibly could have done to make the playoff, yet they get in. And it feels like the SEC bias is real, and I don't 
I don't care for that. I've never been a, I'm going to pull for the conference regardless. Like to me, it's like it's Tennessee or it's nobody. I, I don't understand pulling for, for the conference as a whole or the conference opponent, all this stuff never really has made sense to me. And this year with the SEC being down, I mean, it, it makes even less sense. You cannot use historical data to, to, to prop up Alabama because of what they've done in the past or what Georgia has done in the past. You have to look at the 2023 season as a whole. To me, that 29-game winning streak doesn't really matter to me because it's based on 2023 and what Georgia's done this year, what yeah. Alabama's done this season. I mean, Alabama barely beat a really bad Auburn team the week before last and it's we're just ignoring that but then we're penalizing florida state for only beating a top 20 team by 10 points it, it makes zero sense uh, on the flip side and i texted this to to the group chat we're in i do feel like if tennessee was in alabama's position we would be stumping like we would not take we would want tennessee in the playoff over florida state we would say that tennessee's better just like with the tcu last season so for sure. There is part of me that says Alabama probably is a better team than Florida State. Georgia is a better team than Florida State. But they didn't do what they had to do to make the playoff, and Florida State did. And I don't know how you yeah. can penalize them for that. I mean, this there's a few things that show just how absurd this entire thing is. I mean, obviously, it's what you're saying. Florida State did at literally to an exact T everything that they tell you to do. It was actually funny that, you know, people dug up these old tweets from Kirk Herbstreet. I think I texted one to you where Kirk Herbstreet in a, in a year past had said, I don't know why FSU fans are complaining. If they just win out, they'll be in the playoff. <laughs> he literally said that at one point. And then he goes on ESPN, makes an absolute fool of himself and is like, Alabama should be in the playoff. Obviously, blah, 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 you know, and, and, and just and that that whole show where they get these idiots on here, Reese Davis, Alabama alum, Greg McElroy, a former quarterback from the University of Alabama. And of course, the thing that Greg McElroy says, Alabama deserves to be in the playoff. Well, no, duh. Of course you think that. Part of his logic was the, the quarterback situation, too, which is hilarious because oh, please, not the reason Alabama won a national championship. <laughs> but even that quarterback discussion is flawed because... Florida State's backup quarterback, who who couldn't play in the conference championship game because he's you know con- dealing with the concussion stuff, probably going to be fine by the time the playoff run you know comes around, right? Hi- fairly highly touted guy, so it's not yeah. like the the guy who played against Louisville is going to be playing in that game. So you know that was kind of the logic I think that the committee used <laughs> to 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 you know rationalize putting Alabama in the playoff is the fact that Jordan Travis is hurt and can't play in that game, but but they still took care of business without him. No, it's not ideal, but I still don't think you can penalize the whole team because he broke his leg or had this leg injury. And and now you have to go to your backup. Like that's next man up mentality. That's what you everybody preaches in college football on these shows. Nobody wants to hear excuses. Next man up. And then you're kind of saying, well, this should be an excuse for why they, they, they shouldn't be in the playoff. I don't, well, but I, I also look, I mean, when you when you bring that up, everybody said, oh, without a doubt, they would just go into the playoff and get steamrolled. But I watch Florida State, and then I watch Michigan, and specifically Michigan's offense, and I go, would they? Like, would they go and get steamrolled? Because 
I don't think they would. I mean, AJ McCarthy is really not that great of a quarterback, and he's not the reason that Michigan has been winning those games. Michigan's defense is the reason Michigan's been winning those games. I mean, I think Florida State would be hard pressed to score more than you know ten points against Michigan, sure, but I think Michigan would be hard pressed to score more than seventeen against Florida State. So I don't, you know, I don't think that it would have just oh, it would have been a blowout. Well, what happens if JJ McCarthy throws a pick six like he did against TCU last year, and suddenly Florida State makes it to the national championship game? Like it's it's that element where you just you gotta play the game, and yeah. that is that just you, it makes me ill. It makes it, me absolutely ill. It's a terrible argument because yeah, on paper. I think Michigan beats Florida State. I think Georgia beats Florida State. I think Alabama beats Florida State. On paper, Alabama should blow out Auburn, but they needed a play that works exactly less than half percent of the time. A miracle. A miracle, yes, to beat Auburn, to even be in the conversation. No, yeah, you got to let it play out. You have to let it play out. It's it's why, thank goodness for the 12-team playoff. I know not everyone loves it because, yeah, it would make that Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game kind of pointless. You might be playing for a bye. That's about it, right? But there's a lot of other compelling games that would come out of it. Obviously, the games in the playoff, but then kind of all these games on the fringe where you're trying to get into the playoff. Ole Miss, Missouri, those teams that were playing, the Penn States, like those games would matter a lot more at the end of the season than they did to begin with. So I think it's okay to sacrifice... Uh, well, honestly, the conference championships, what's the point? What is even the point of playing them at this yeah. point? It doesn't even Seriously. like just put another it's game nothing. on the schedule. Yeah. They span the playoff further or something. And I don't know because it, it doesn't, it didn't do Florida State a bit of good. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're ACC champions, but they're probably but this, they don't even want to hang that banner up. Here's the exact, and, and I would say if this thought didn't cross your mind, I, I don't want to say you're not a real Tennessee fan, but you're not as scarred of a Tennessee fan as I am, maybe. If this thought didn't cross your mind watching what happened to Florida State next year, year after maybe, <clears throat> Tennessee is going into the final week of the season and they and we'll play Vanderbilt like we usually do, I assume. Uh, and they're, you know, eight and three, <clears throat> almost certainly going to finish nine and three because they're playing Vandy and they're number 13, <laughs> you know, and then maybe a team ahead of them loses. And there's some sort of decision that has to be made. Well, Tennessee is only playing Vandy, and they can only do what they can do against Vandy. And and then they get screwed out of that 12th spot. You know, something like that. Like, if you didn't think about that possibility, watching what just happened with the precedent that they just set, that the wins on the field don't matter. That it's, you know, Tennessee can win that same week and the team ahead of them loses and you're still not going to make it in. Like, that's... If you don't think that's going to happen in the future with the precedent that they just set, don't kid yourself. Now, will it ha- will it for sure happen to Tennessee? Yeah, maybe not. But I think that's that's the fear that crosses my mind is like, oh, oh, of course, this is probably going to happen to Tennessee in the future because that's, that's I'd rather, the way that this has to be. I'd rather it happen. Like It's going to suck if that happens to Tennessee or for whatever program it happens to because you're right. It will happen. It'll happen the first year because there's going to be some compelling arguments right there at the very bottom, but I'd rather it happen with like the number 10 and 11 teams or 12 teams than a team that won its conference championship. Like there should be no doubt that Florida state gets to play for a national championship. Um, I mean, you know, the BCS era, we had this happen a few times, ironically, Auburn, you know, kind of before the sec started its dominance, got screwed out of playing for the championship in 2004 when they went undefeated and, and they had to go play, Virginia taking the Sugar Bowl while USC and Oklahoma played for a championship. 
it was the same scenario that would have happened this season. You expand the playoff to not have these situations come up where you have a power five team that went undefeated not playing for a championship. Like this was supposed to eliminate all of that, and it, it clearly didn't. It's it's frustrating for Florida State. Alabama gets their way, and, and we can all just hope that they lose to Michigan. And kind of like we were talking before we came on here, and you brought up if Michigan wins this championship and they have to hand that trophy to Jim Harbaugh after everything that's happened this season, it would be kind of poetic for the That would truly be that. comical. <laughs> that would be easily the funniest possible outcome that could happen. Um, but yeah, it's ton, tons of good comments already from, from everybody over here. Thanks to everybody for watching. I mean, Elias says the committee is lying. If Bama lost to Auburn and everything else stayed the same, they would have just put Georgia ahead of Florida State. Probably when when you really think about it. I mean, this was this was one of the stupidest things that, that I didn't even notice initially. A friend of mine ended up pointing it out to me. They put Georgia behind Florida State. Huh? I'm so if you're if you're going by the criteria that, that put Alabama in that spot. Oh, that's true. Alabama has the the best win, you know. Well, Georgia's only loss is to the team with the best win in college football. And and you know, they're by the eye test, they're better than Florida State and all these mm-hmm. I mean, I I think yeah, I would agree that. If you're going better versus deserved, which is the argument, exactly. right? Exactly. The best team yeah. versus the most deserving. That's what Kirby said. And you're right. They they kind of contradicted themselves because based on that, nobody so stupid. Know, yeah, like that. There's there's no there is no actual explanation other than we wanted it to be this way. We wanted whatever. I mean, this has been multiple comments. I think. Uh, well, Joe Tessitore definitely and, and, wanted it this way. If you watch that conference championship yeah. game, Joe Tessitore talked more about Texas and Alabama than he did Florida State. It seemed like. <laughs> I mean. ESPN does have a vested interest in yes. in these ratings, and, and like I said, I think it was big. Well, and they're they're in the Red bed with the SEC here. now too. So yeah, I but but in the comments, I mean, they were just saying it's it's ratings. I mean, it's that that's that has to you're you're just talking the the bigger brand, the legendary coach, the everything that Alabama has going for it. Because I I also said this: if it was not not just if it was Tennessee, if it was any other team in the SEC. That did it turned out exactly the same way. Eleven and eleven and one going into the championship game, they beat Georgia, any other SEC team. Uh, and and the one loss was to Texas. If it was the exact same setup and not Alabama with Nick Saban as its head coach, they don't get in. I think Florida State makes it in. I I, I truly believe that. There, there is that brand power there at this point. Like they're getting the benefit of the doubt off of the seven national championships or whatever garbage that Saban's won. And that's I, uh, I, I can't, I can't stand it at all. And, uh, I, I, we could go through all of these comments. Everybody's leaving uh, great comments, but I think it seems like everybody's in agreement, which is a first for <laughs> the comment section here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's that whole, it's just so, so infuriating. I can't stand it. Oh, I, I love this. Danny says, <laughs> I'm watching you guys on my TV, but I got on my phone to comment and say that I agree. FSU should have gotten in. But not only that, I think Michigan beats Bama. Lordy, I hope so. I certainly hope so. Um, but with that said, because Alabama got into the playoff, as I already mentioned uh, right at the beginning, uh, Tennessee kind of got moved up the ball hierarchy. 
LSU played in the Citrus Bowl last year, so they don't get into the Citrus Bowl, and they go to, to what was the Outback Bowl, and here we are. Tennessee made it to uh, the the you-can't-spell-citrus-without-UT Citrus Bowl. Uh, thank you to Steve Spurrier for that legendary comment. Uh, but this is I, – like, I look at this, and I've seen a lot of Tennessee fans be like, oh, boy, we got to play Iowa. And at first glance, I mean, I agree. <laughs> I was the most boring football team in all of college football. And I don't think who would argue with that. I haven't watched every single team in FBS, but it's gotta be, if they're not one, they're in the top three and they, they literally can't score. They couldn't have less playmakers on offense. They just stink out loud when it comes to scoring the football. Um, at the same time, their defense is pretty good. And then Tennessee over the course of the season has struggled a lot more than they did last season at scoring the football. So it could be a pretty decent game. The only thing is that it's going to be a struggle to watch. But with that said, I'm happy to be in the Citrus Bowl. I think it's a nice little coup that happened for Tennessee, that it, that it's fun that they got into this sort of like higher higher echelon bowl game. It's not it's in between your Music City Bowl and the New Year's Six. It's like that that little middle ground right there. I love it. I I think it's great and a great opportunity because first of all, I think Tennessee's going to win that football game. Um but I, I like it a lot. What'd you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, going into the day, we thought it would be you know the Gator Bowl or going to Tampa. I like that you're playing in the Citrus Bowl. It's something different. It hasn't Tennessee hasn't done it in over 20 years. You're playing Iowa, a team that, yeah, it's probably going to be a boring game. I like Tennessee's chances in it. I'm not going to go say that, you know, oh, they're going to win this game for sure because we just, you know, Tennessee hasn't earned that type of respect based on their play this season, especially down the stretch. But it's a game where, okay, the way Tennessee spreads it out, Iowa's going to have to play a different defensive game than what they usually play. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit different for them. Maybe Tennessee will be able to run the ball against them. Maybe they'll be able to hit a couple of explosive plays. That might be all it takes to beat Iowa. The thing is, Iowa's going to limit your possessions. You can't play this zone defense against them and just let them go down the field and eat up clock to where you only get two or three possessions in the first half or something like that because – Look, Iowa could come out with a good plan. You go three and out real quick. Then they're going on another eight, nine-minute drive, and maybe you hold them to a field goal. It could be pretty ugly that way. I think you got to go after them and trust that they're not going to hit explosive plays on you. You just – Tim Banks going to have to go after them. That's, that's the biggest thing to me about this game. Well, another interesting element that hasn't worked itself out yet, we may end up talking about this on next week's show. Tim Banks is apparently up for the MTSU job. Uh, MTSU fired uh, Brent, St- Brent Stockstill, right? Rick, Rick. Rick Stockstill, sorry. <clears throat> um, fired him after he was there for forever and a day. And uh, apparently Tim Banks is one of the, the primary candidates for that job, according to just reports from local UT, uh, UT guys. And uh, that that could be an interesting element if you don't have your DC uh, and and you know where Tennessee might go is anybody's guess there. Because Heupel, we've definitely seen through the years that Heupel is just not a fan of staff turnover. He just really, he he doesn't he doesn't fire guys really. He also, I mean, I, I don't think he wants anybody to leave. He likes that staff loyalty. He likes the set of guys that he that he knows that he can trust. And uh, I mean, because even even when Alex Golish leaves, he hires from within. Um, and so that that's an interesting element too. Although if Banks is still the DC. I could not agree more. You got to just, you got to do what has won uh, with this defense. 
and that is not laying back. And 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 I don't think. I mean, like I said, Iowa's offense is abysmal. There was. I mean, I, I didn't watch much of that game. I was watching the the Louisville Florida State game mostly, but against Michigan, there was no chance they were ever going to score. Like none. There there just was essentially the, wasn't it the prop bet at halftime was that they would score zero points. It was it was a half point. That was that was the bet <laughs> over under a half point, and that hey they hit that under baby. <laughs> you know, like really just so bad. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's an interesting matchup. I, I would have, I think somebody said it in the, in the comments earlier. I mean, it probably would have been more fun to see a North Carolina, a Notre Dame, something like that. But Hey, I, I really, I would take this over those personally because of the status of the bowl game and, and kind of what it means being back in the citrus bowl, hypo taking you to the orange bowl and the citrus bowl and back to back years, I think is really special. So I, I just, you know, I, I, I like it at the end of the day and, and Iowa, at least half of what Iowa does stinks. So I think you have a pretty good chance of winning that football game and and you, you go from there. Yeah. And that, that point about Tim Banks is definitely relevant. If he does do that uh, MTSU job, which seems, I'm not going to say likely, but I think it's definitely in play, especially with, uh, Scotty Walden, who was in from Austin P, who gave Tennessee fits this season, taking the UTEP Ugh. job. He was kind of in the mix there. Uh, we know former Vol Brad Lampley is very heavily involved in that hiring process there or trying to help them at MTSU. So that, that could be kind of how Tim Banks is kind of move, move the needle yeah. a little bit there. I have heard that Tim or Jerry Mack has been uh, – I saw in the comments, Greg mentioned that Jerry Mack could be his OC. I know Jerry Mack was kind of in the mix for the – head coaching job there as well but from what i've heard matt has not really got that far down the road it seems like mtsu is more interested in tim banks which is interesting since since matt has former head coaching experience i don't think matt is leaving tennessee's staff to go be the offensive coordinator at mtsu the pay i mean the pay is already going to be not a huge raise if at all for tim banks if he leaves it's more just to kind of go up the ladder to be that head coach Mac maybe, you know, hold up. Hold, he's been in OC before. He, you know, he left to become a running backs coach from a smaller program for Tennessee. So that would be a surprise to me if he left to, to become an offensive coordinator there at MTSU. Either way, it's... And if, if Bates, I should add, if Bates does take that job, I would fully expect Willie Martinez to be the interim defensive coordinator for Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. He has previous defensive coordinator experience in the SEC. I'm sure that'll Cody. go over well. Yeah, I'm sure, but I mean <laughs> that would be the that would be the most logical option. It would be. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, so, could could be yeah. some some you know, and his contracts up too. We still really don't know what's going to happen there. I know some retirements been hinted at. I think John Bryce mentioned that during a, during an interview that he had done. There's also some thought he could still come back. Who knows what's going to happen with it? I don't think anything happens on the offensive side of the ball really with Tennessee. Maybe some stuff happens on the defensive side here over the next couple of weeks. We'll just have to see. Uh, it's it's just going to be a waiting game. I mean, Lord knows that that could be announced tomorrow, honestly, because it's been in the works for a minute now. Um, or tonight. There's there's a ton of news just coming out right now. I mean, Greg in the comments, he says, oh, wait, sorry. It was uh, Elias right here. He says, 
Uh, good Lord, South Carolina is being gutted by the portal. I'll this evening. That. I mean, it's it's just been a, a roll. They they lost Juice Wells, which I think Tennessee would be well served to try to go after him. Uh, please and thank you. Um, I, I don't envy any college football coaches right now because unless you're one of the top tier programs and even look like Ohio State's losing some guys to the portal, who knows, maybe maybe Bitt and Jeff can kind of give us some insight on what what the word is at Ohio State with everything that's going on because it's kind of, you know, we're kind of on the outside looking in on some of that stuff. But managing your roster right now, when you really don't know who's coming, who's going, who you can go after, who you need to go after, uh, this got to be the most stressful week of the season for any college football coach, especially if you're in a bowl game or a playoff game and you're trying to you're trying to come up with that practice schedule and everything that you're going to do and, and when players can leave, when they need to be back on campus through Christmas and then dealing with dudes just leaving, you know, leaving the program at the drop of a hat. It's, it's gotta be tough. It, it really is. It's, uh, this has been overused. Everybody's called it. Oh, it's the wild West. It's wild West. It's just the market with, with NIL and the transfer portal, just finding its way. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm far less of a panicker about that. I mean, I think a lot of people are like it's ruining college football and this and that. And I, I think there's, there are certainly some, some very valid talking points to it's not the best thing for college football, but I, I just have more of a feeling of just like, it's going to take a few years to get this whole deal ironed out, to get more market transparency, to get a feel for what guys are are supposed to be paid and and what you know you you, you got to establish that hierarchy because obviously like your quarterbacks are going to get probably top top billing and then running back uh running back wide receiver maybe even you know if you have a really sensational defensive lineman like a Walter well, Nolan yeah, I, think, I think offensive and defensive line could get paid for sure yeah well and uh, convenient right here James Fair says is Nolan coming back home that's going to uh, be probably a roller coaster. We remember how the recruitment was. I would not expect his. I don't even think he's actually officially in the portal. Is is kind of the rumors right now, right? Like I think they're they're actually they supposed intend. to meet. Yeah, with with Mike Elko there at Texas A and M, that could be some nil leverage. Who knows what happens with that whole deal? But obviously, you'd love to have him. He's a difference maker in the trenches. I mean. <laughs> With without a doubt, uh, he he would be a monster. Of course, when when you get those guys who are who are very who are very flashy, you never know if they're going to come in and be a diva. That could be a whole a problem in itself. Um, you know, that's a whole separate thing. But actually, on that note, I mean, we're essentially leading in to the next topic. Let's talk about the transfer portal and everything that's happened so far with Tennessee, because it hasn't been nearly as much as you'd probably think, and not nearly as much as what's happened to other programs. So let's break it down. Right after I tell you about BetterHelp. If you are a if you're a college football fan like myself and like Zach, then you know how many years the big orange have shaved off your life with the emotional roller coaster of college sports. Maybe the roller coaster of life is messing with your happiness, preventing you from achieving your goals, regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human being going through a hard time. Therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's where BetterHelp comes into play. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy affordable and more accessible. And this is and this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be hard, especially when you're limited to just the options in your area. BetterHelp's platform makes finding a therapist easier because it's online and remote. 
And BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. Plus, with our link, betterhelp.com slash ATOZ sports, you get 10% off your first month. Uh, see a therapist because maintaining your mental health is just as important as maintaining your physical health. So this football season, check out betterhelp.com slash ATOZ sports and save 10% on your first month with BetterHelp. So the transfer portal so far for Tennessee, let's go through. It it started out with Mo Clipper, who, while he has an awesome name, hasn't played almost at all <laughs> for, for Tennessee. Jack Jack Luttrell, uh, who was I I kind of thought that that was a little bit of a shame. I I wish that his his potential could have been fleshed out a little bit more, but maybe it's just a situation where he felt like he was never going to play, and and like Tennessee was maybe just going to transfer portal transfer portal over the top of him. You know, during his time at, at Tennessee, I don't know. Uh, you you got uh, it's Warren Burrell. It's it's actually he was probably first, wasn't he? Yeah, Bur- Burrell. Was, Burrell yeah. was number one. Uh, just before we came on here, Addison Nichols, offensive lineman. Uh, that that's another one. That's a real shame. Four star guy that came in. You really wish that uh, you would have gotten more out of him, and maybe you could have if he stays. But he's he uh, intends to hit the transfer portal. And there's there's one more. Who am I not thinking of? Uh, there, Turnage. I'm, Turnage. Brandon Turnage. That's Brandon that's Turnage. right. Who was already a transfer? He transferred from Alabama. Alabama. Previously, and he's out again. But he he had he came in after injuries more than he played as, mm-hmm. as a starter. Um, and so a little understandable there. Two. What do you think so far of what's Tennessee? what Tennessee has lost in the transfer portal. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to lose a couple of guys. Uh, Lutrell, who knows? Maybe that's NIL related. You, we remember he posted the the cryptic or not really cryptic. He straight up said, I don't know what the collect- point of a collective is. If players aren't getting paid or something like that <laughs> last summer, oh boy. he's just a true freshman. So, you, you know, you can't really expect to play much as a true freshman. You know, he's a three star. So it's like he came in as a highly talented guy. He had good size and decent speed. So you thought maybe you had something there. So disappointing to lose that, but you don't really know the whole situation there for sure. Uh, Turnage is a grad transfer, probably trying to see the field more. Same thing with Burrell. The biggest one for me is Nichols, Addison Nichols. That one's disappointing because that's a guy that that you you got a commitment from and you signed as a four-star out of Georgia that you really felt like could develop into a key player. You know, Had some opportunities early this season with Cooper Mays hurt. Didn't really run away with that job. Ollie Lane ended up playing a lot there. Dane Davis. Seemed like he picked it up a little more towards the end. Played a lot against Vanderbilt. Uh, practiced well that week. That's a disappointing one. I mean, there's no, really no other way, way, way around it. It's disappointing to lose him, but it's disappointing that he wasn't you know, developing the way that you hoped he developed. Is it a situation where he just needed more time and he's jumping the gun a little bit here? You know, I don't know. It, it, it's one that it, it just didn't pan out the way you wanted it to. And those are the, you know, it's going to happen sometimes. And Tennessee, you know, like you said, South Carolina, a lot of these other programs are just getting raided by the portal right now. And Tennessee really isn't. So, yeah, it's you're going to have a couple here and there. No, no panic alarms for Tennessee. Nothing. They're not in a dire situation where they're losing guys left and right. So it's just kind of normal portal turnover nothing nothing to freak out about too much yeah so so far i i think this is a good 
point, Elias, is a lot of fan bases are seeing some red flags today. We do not seem to be one of them, thank God. I mean, it's the the process is not over. <laughs> but but uh, I, I do think that that is true. It, it doesn't seem like you're seeing that mass exodus, like perhaps at South Carolina, Ohio State, who whoever it might be that you've seen. I mean, we were just talking about right before we came on here, there's kind of this like rumor going around that Ryan Day is looking at NFL jobs because he can't beat, he can't beat Michigan. So I, I think you got to count your blessings when you don't have a mass exodus into the transfer portal and you got to consider it a good thing, even with, you know, the season didn't go exactly the way that you wanted it to. But I think when, when you see the season didn't go the way that you wanted it to, and then you see that a lot of guys don't leave in the transfer portal. And then you see that there are some guys coming back because you, you saw the, a couple of reports today that, uh, that Omari Thomas is likely coming back for this coming season. You see all that combined together and you kind of think like, okay, these dudes believe in what this coaching staff is doing still. This is good. It doesn't seem like you have a lot of problems where kids are like, I got to get out of here. And, and I, you, you have to take all of that as, as a good sign in my personal opinion, um, especially the guys coming back when, when they kind of have a, you know, an unfinished business sort of mentality. I think that's great because not only do, do they probably believe in what, Eiffel is doing, but they believe that next season could really turn into something special potentially. I mean, especially like Mari Thomas coming back. I mean, he's he would go to the NFL this year. Period. I I personally I, I don't know that he's going to be a a top pick, but I think he would likely get drafted given a, a nice pro day and you know being able to to shop himself with with NFL teams. I think he he would have been right there. So I that's uh, good. These are good signs. Um, and and I'll take it at that. Yeah, I mean, it would be different if you're losing like some of your top wide receivers. If like Squirrel was going to the portal, or even Chaz Nimrod, one of the younger receivers, you just don't really have anything like that happening. No, no, no key players that you were counting on to start next season. Maybe you were hoping that Nichols could develop into to that, but it didn't really seem like it was trending that way. So you're not really losing anybody that you were hoping to start. Maybe maybe some depth pieces, but you're going to go to the portal and replace some of that. Tennessee's already recruiting some of these guys. They've they've offered a defensive lineman from Middle Tennessee, offensive lineman I think from Texas A and M. The tight end today from UConn, you know Justin Jolly, that would be huge. Yeah, to get especially with McAllen Castles and Jacob Warren moving on. Um, like Ben mentions there in the comments, you get him to go w- with Ethan Davis, who Ethan Davis really has star potential if he can you know stay on the field and and get out there. He's a, he can be a playmaker maybe one of the better tight ends that Tennessee's had in a while that maybe, maybe Hypel can get creative with the way he uses tight ends and utilize him more of a hybrid tight end wide receiver type player. A lot of interesting options there, but you're going to feel some of this depth with the portal. I mean, Hypel's MO is to build this program through high school recruiting. He's still getting that off the ground. You know, the 2021 class wasn't his. Most of that class was in place. 2022, you still didn't have time to really build those relationships. The 2023 class, to me, is his first real, like, these are my guys that I've built the relationship with for a couple of years. That's that first class. So the offensive line depth, we know, isn't really where we'd like it to be. But I think you got to give that time to build. It's, it's kind of like Dylan Ellerby was having to start from scratch, basically. So let's get some of these 2023 guys in. You've got some really nice commits in the 2024 class, you know, headlined by Bennett Warren, maybe Jordan Seaton. 
you know, we'll see what happens there coming up. So, you know, give that some time to kind of play out. I don't think we can judge that unit too, too much, you know, quite yet. Rodney Gardner on the other side on the defensive line kind of had, had a better deck of cards to play with when he came in to, to Tennessee as an assistant that same season. So all that said, Hypo still has shown a willingness to add some through the portal when he sees, you know, a, a need there. Keenan Peely last year, hopefully he comes back for another season. That would be Please. massive uh, at linebacker. You know, some of Tennessee's best players over the last couple of seasons have been transfer portal players. So he'll, he's definitely going to try to add some guys there, but we know how important culture is. So it won't be just anyone and not going to be throwing offers out left and right, you know, chasing down every single talented player in the portal. They'll, uh, they'll be, they'll, they'll pick and choose who they add. I think so. And I, I mean, before we, we fully move on to who Tennessee needs to bring in or might bring in, just finish that off. I, I thought, this makes a lot of sense. Doug said Addison Nichols is leaving because Cooper Mays might stay. Uh, you know, Co- Cooper didn't go through the senior day. It, it that probably is a factor. Uh, I I think it's it's fair to speculate. Sure, I mean, there. you're a redshirt freshman. I mean, yeah, you're, you're you gonna it, if you stick it out. He he would have played eventually, in my personal opinion. But and it's not like he ran away with the job early in the season when Cooper was down, and then Cooper came back and took the job from him or anything like that. Like, he didn't take a hold of that job when he had the opportunity. And that's fine. He was still a young player. Like, I don't think, you know, this whole mindset of I have to be on the field as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman, even as a sophomore sometimes, that that's a flawed mentality. Sometimes it does work out that way. Sometimes the talent's there. Sometimes the understanding's there. Maybe it's the high school coaching, the way they were developed before they even got to Tennessee. It just clicks sooner. Whatever the case, sometimes that happens, but it doesn't always happen. And it doesn't always mean that you're going to, you know, not be an NFL prospect because you don't flash until you're a junior. Like we've seen plenty of situations, Darnell Wright being a, being a great example of that, even as a five-star guy, didn't really take off until his last season, you know, last two seasons at Tennessee. That mentality with the portal and the NIL stuff, I get it. You know, sometimes the right move is to transfer. Sometimes the right move is maybe to maximize your value at a certain time, but sometimes the best move is just to stay. And I think that's part of what you kind of alluded to with this whole transfer portal stuff, taking a few years to work itself out. A lot of these guys are going to go in the portal and they're going to see that, you know, nobody's calling or nobody that they want to call is calling. We were talking about how many players you see enter the portal and you go, look at their their game logs and their stats and what they've done and it's oh it's an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman from Oklahoma has entered the portal oh he's been there two years and he's played in three games like okay no Tennessee's not going to take that guy they have some of those guys you know they don't they don't need those guys they need guys that have experience that can come in and play immediately that's what SEC programs are looking for that's what Big Ten programs are looking for so some of these guys that think that they're just going to hit the portal and, and have their phone ringing off the hook and people offering money eventually they're going to see that's not always the case. That's yeah, that, that's that, where the, the transparency would, would really help. If you kind of knew what guys were making and what everybody was making, it would end a lot of this movement. Exactly. Around. It's to that. That's a, a great add on to what I was saying earlier. Like it's just the market feeling its way through this, this initial time of, of it just being, you know, the quote unquote wild West. Like it just has to get ironed out. Um, and, and hopefully it does, but we'll, 
talking to there, there's a lot here. So we, we got to talk about who Tennessee might, might bring in a, a little bit further from transfer portal. Then also Eli, Elias and James here in the comments, they're both talking about James Pierce got arrested. We got to talk about that too. But then I just noticed this uh, and I apologize. I had missed these earlier. Timothy uh, super chatted 25 bucks <laughs> and, I, and I had missed it. Um, Cause it, it's kind of hard to explain what I see on my end, but like if, if I go off from what I'm looking at for any amount of time and the comments scroll by this small space that I have, I miss it. And so I apologize, but I just saw this. This is going all the way back. He said, this is how you, this is how you do it. The NCAA division one football championship provides for a field of 24 teams to compete in a single elimination tournament of the 24 teams, 10 conference championships will re receive automatic. I mean, uh, yeah, that would basically, it would be basketball <laughs> at, at that point. Uh, he said qualifications with the remaining best 14 teams being selected on that large basis by the division one football championship committee. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no perfect way to do that. It is still going to come down to whatever human error outside of those conference champions, but at least you could avoid the complete, just, you know, spitting in Florida state's face whole element. That would be I nice. Mean, but, would... uh, I think Mike Leach maybe kind of joked around about that, about expanding out even to 64, which isn't feasible for football. But I would love like a tournament style. Yes. Uh, you know, tw the, the numbers, I, I would I would think like maybe 16 or 32 just to make it even. Because I, I don't know about the buys. You know, we've seen in baseball how weird that can be and taking time off and that layoff sometimes. It's home field, it would be a much better reward for higher seating, you know, kind of throughout, but I would love to see something like that. The money, I mean, obviously it would bring in a ton of revenue. The logistics of it's what would kind of be tough. Cause you don't want these kids playing, you know, 17, 18 games a year. So, I mean, I don't think 12 is where it's going to stop though. Yeah. I, and I mean, and Timothy adds on, he says, yes, you probably have less opt outs. I think oh, that's for sure. I mean, you don't, that's for sure true. And that, that was one of my original points where i was like you need to expand is because there's been this epidemic of opt-outs like it's you're made giving the bowl these games, so games to care about yeah. yeah it's made the, a lot of the bowl games where it's not even the versions of the team that you saw all season tennessee and clemson were pretty fortunate last year fans were that neither team had that many opt-outs you know Jalen Hyatt didn't play. Cedric Tillman didn't play. I don't like Miles Murphy for Clemson didn't play. But for the most part, that that was the, their teams from that season that played. Outside of obviously Hooker was injured. Clemson had made, already made the quarterback change. But a lot of these bowl games are you know who what version of this team is this even? Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. And I mean that's that's why talking about like the Citrus Bowl against Iowa right now is a little bit of a moot point, at least at the moment, because you don't know who could... I mean, there. I don't think this is going to happen, but there is a chance that, like, Joe doesn't play in this game. I think he's gonna, especially yeah. now that the game is in his home state. But, like, there, there is that that outside chance. You never know. But um, let's, let's do move on. Obviously, J James Pierce got... The report came out that he was arrested right before we came on here. I mean, 30 minutes before we... <laughs> went live on the show uh and then we we do need to finish up that discussion about uh actually right here rocky top uh vfl brings it up justin jolie uh let's talk about some of the guys tennessee needs in this transfer portal 
also right after I tell you about Zen Sports. We've been talking uh, about Zen Sports all season. It's the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee. And we're excited to share some more big news. When you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you'll receive up to one thousand. You you will receive up to a one thousand dollar no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to one thousand dollars maximum if that bet loses. But there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. The VIP program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. And the VIP program is by invite only. So if you feel that your Zen Sports pit play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details at zinsports.com slash VIP. No other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer service and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. What are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zinsports.com today. Zen Sports betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions may apply. Must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. So we already talked about it. Uh, Tennessee football, it seems like, may be pulling a Tony Vitello. <laughs> if you remember back, Chase Dolander came with, who, who did he play for? I, I can't remember the, the original team, but regardless, it was a, you know, it was a small, a small time team that came and played an early season series against Tennessee in, in baseball. And, and, played really well and Vitello <laughs> Georgia Southern Georgia Southern and and from that Vitello said hey we need this guy on the baseball team and they went and got him and and Chase Dolander became you know one of the best pitchers in America and it seems like Justin Jolie put up uh, what 89 yards against Tennessee and and had a really nice game in that game against UConn and then he announces he's in the transfer portal. And the first offer that he announces he got on Twitter is from Tennessee. And then not only that, he's coming for a visit, apparently. And it seems like it it really is going to be a Tony Vitello that Josh Heupel pulls here. This is, this is interesting, and I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it, it, it made that a Utah game because the crowd kind of got it into that game because of how chippy it was. How can you, you know, come from Utah and play in that game and not instantly. I mean, that's almost like a visit in itself. You got to experience <laughs> every, everything great about Neyland stadium and, and how passionate the fans are. And so you would add, you know, a huge position in need, like we said, with Jacob Warren and McAllen castles moving on, you've got Ethan Davis and some youth there that, that you're really excited about, but this would give you a little more experience and a hypo likes to play multiple guys there at tight end. You need depth. You know, 100%, you need depth. Uh, and it would also kind of, you know, just a, a little, you know, nudge right there in Jim Nora, Jim Mora, who, who who had some issues with Josh Heupel and the Tennessee players to go steal one of his better players as Mora's in a sinking ship there at UConn. I, I guess he's going to get another season. But, uh, you know, he said late in the season that he wasn't even going to sign any high school guys at this point because they, if they get developed, they just transfer out, which – Again, tough spot to be in for those programs. It's it is even even a program like Vanderbilt. We kind of talked about it, but not not to get off on that tangent. But yeah, huge ad. Hopefully, if Tennessee can can close the deal on this, getting him on campus is always 
the biggest hurdle to landing one of those guys. If you get somebody on campus, you kind of feel pretty good about landing them out of the portal, especially you don't have a lot of time here. It's not like high school recruiting where you're building this relationship over a year or two years. You, you kind of got a couple of weeks here to try to close this deal. So you've, you've already got the benefit of the fact that he's been in Neyland Stadium. He's experienced that environment. That gives you a leg up in this deal if you can build this relationship pretty quickly and he can see what he can do in the offense and possibly get to the NFL based off his time at Tennessee, that would be huge. And, and it helps that Princeton Fant, former tight end at Tennessee, uh, finally made his NFL debut uh, last week for yeah. the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football after getting elevated from the practice squad. A guy that didn't do a whole lot before Heupel and his staff arrived. You can kind of point to that this week and be like, hey, you know, he was undrafted, but He's there. He's playing. He's he's on the fifty-three man roster. You know that you can kind of point to a little evidence there that you can get tight ends to the NFL. Absolutely, I I I love this, and it goes to what I really want to see. I mean, that, that that's really been the the primary news that's come out in terms of Tennessee being tied to to players that are in the transfer portal currently. That's gonna. I mean, this whole week is gonna just be a trickle of that information, where it's just like this player has visited, this player is tied, you know, has had discussions with Tennessee. Crap like that is gonna come out this entire week, and it's you know. But this is just the one that's come out by the time we did this show. But what I what I do want to see that has become so common now, it's kind of crazy. Is I want to see guys announce that they're going into the transfer portal, and in the same tweet that announces they're going into the transfer portal, it says his expected landing spot is Tennessee. That's what I want to see. Because what that means is that Tennessee was already there on the phone saying, hey, my guy, come on down to Knoxville. Because, you, I mean, you've just seen that, like what uh, Sam Hartman last year from Wake Forest, the second that it was announced that he was transferring, it was, oh, he's going to Notre Dame. He's going to Notre Dame. That's because Notre Dame had been on the horn talking to that kid, working on an IL deal, doing whatever they got to do, and they beat out everybody else. And that's the kind of way that you got to play in the transfer portal this year. You got you to gotta be ahead of everybody else. You got to be paying more than everybody else. You got to be more aggressive than everybody else. I don't know whatever it takes, but you got to be that team. I want to see some of that <laughs> this week. Will it happen? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like Heupel is as much that type of person, but it would be nice to see... Um, and, and maybe they're avoiding it because of the whole NCAA thing. And I mean, it, it pretty much directly points towards tampering. I mean, that's, that's, it's happening with everybody that's happening constantly. It's all the time. It's happening with Tennessee players. You've heard all these, these kind of rumors where it was like James Pierce was offered this to go here and these things, you know, and, but well, somebody's I, doing Tennessee that. needs to be in on that game too. And I, I'm sure they probably are to some extent. You got to be really careful with that stuff, but there aren't a lot of secrets in college football. I mean, we we kind of know how some of this stuff works. We've seen some of it up close. There's a lot of different methods that people use, but these guys know who are talking to their players a lot of times. And a lot of programs know when the tampering's happened, but they're doing it too. So nobody really wants to point the finger just yet. But eventually somebody at a big time program is going to call somebody else out for it. And they're going to have evidence and it's going to be a big story or some reporters going to go rogue and, and throw the information out there with proof. And it's going to be a big deal. And they'll probably have to revamp the whole system to some extent. I don't know the, you know, the NFL 
has to deal with this stuff to some extent. You've got like a legal tampering period before free agency begins and all this stuff. And you know, there's ways around it, but you know, you, you've got to be really careful with a lot of that stuff because information is so free flowing in the sports world. It, it's really hard to keep secrets. Uh, you can kind of keep stuff out of the media sometimes, but you can't really keep secrets. And that's, that's the tough part. It's true. Uh, but I mean, as <laughs> kind of as Danny says here, NIL means that tampering shouldn't be relative uh, anymore. 100% agree. Um, it's throw all of that out the the window because the the version of college football that we should have always had all along, where players are just able to make money, is slowly coming along, and we should just treat it that way. But just bring it, just bring in free agency and bring in exactly you know to give it actual deals. structure or yeah some structure like two year deals, three year deals, whatever the case is, where you kind of that way you you can kind of plan a little bit and you can plan ahead and other programs can know, hey, this guy's going to be available. You could add that whole element to it in a structured way and make this easier for everybody, including the student athletes, because yes. they would be more transparency on what they could possibly do. And because you got guys that are kind of pushed towards the portal or guys that are told to go in the portal and then the offer never comes from the other program. Like it's just this whole world where no, you know, your top athletes are getting the best of it all, right? Like they're the ones getting the big money, but not everybody going in the portal is getting six and seven figure deals, uh, not even close. Well, before we uh, we finish out with a little basketball talk and we we all say a prayer for Dalton Connect's ankle, um, let's let's do finish talking football with the news that James Pierce was uh, apparently arrested. Uh, early this morning, um, the new Sentinel Adam Sparks reported that he, the, the details went something like, I don't have it directly in front of me. So apologies if I kind of, you know, make this a little more vague than it actually is, but he was speeding. And then there was some sort of quote unquote, like disobeying of, of the cops that, that pulled him over where they said, get out of the car. And it took them saying it two or three times for him to do that. And that they also, you know, they, they told him to just stand. And as they searched the car um, and he, he walked towards the car. And so there was a little bit of just like being insubordinate. It was the, you know, the allegations. Um, And I'll put it this way. I could not care less about this at all he better play in the bowl game because who cares but then also um i i like this because i mean that we're back you know this is finally <laughs> we, we've been waiting uh hypel has won the games on the field but this is the real sign that you're on the way back up is is that you got players getting in trouble off the field now, I, i've seen a ton of people say that you know in the comments and stuff um you know, it just feels right to to have players getting in trouble again. But no, I mean, this is, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened there and outside of just what that police report said. And, and I, I just, I mean, it's speeding and, and then maybe at, at worst, it's just him being, you know, being a little over his skis with a cop and, you know, it, it's, it's not domestic violence it is not a dui it's not all these it's not freaking stuff that's happened with these georgia football players and so i'm i'm eh, eh, you know 
what he well he had a suspended license too i think that that was a part of it so that that's yeah. a factor and you know is it good no do i care not really so that's that's kind of my quick take on it yeah it's pretty pretty mild offense speeding i think it was like 63 to 35 not great but i think we've we've all kind of been in that situation yeah, where who among it, us it just happens uh and then the, the not listening to directions. It wasn't, I mean, based on the report, there was nothing even physical about it. It wasn't like he's getting into an altercation with the officers, nothing like that. So it, it does sound like a pretty big nothing thing, like not great. Don't do that. Try to avoid those situations. I think that goes for all of us. Also, not something that's really going to lead the news unless you're a football player, right? Like that happens to an ordinary citizen nobody's batting an eye and and you know you don't want to make too big of a deal about it on either side because you haven't seen what happened at all there you know you haven't seen any footage of anything or anything like that to really make any crazy conclusions so yeah seems unless there's some smoking gun that we don't know about where this was some crazy incident and it just isn't conveyed in that police report it was like 8 20 in the morning too it's not like it was 3 a.m. Yeah. on a Saturday night, you know, it's it's not it's not like a Brandon Miller situation down there in Alabama where things are just going <laughs> off the rails, right? And you've yeah. got all this crazy stuff going on and you've put yourself in a bad situation. It's 8.20 in the morning. Like, uh, maybe he was late to get into wherever he needed to be. I don't know if they're Literally. practicing any this week or not or anything like that going on or he's getting to the facility. Who knows? Like, yeah, it's probably not a, a great thing to do for any of us because you don't have to deal with that, but you should play in the ball game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it needs to be the, the, the Nick Saban classic. We're handling it internally. And then he just plays. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Heupel, Heupel has, has to be. Heupel's done some of that. You know, he pretty yes. much shuts that stuff yeah. down. He doesn't entertain it. He doesn't try to, you know, give excuses or not really even excuses. He doesn't try to explain his reasoning. It's just, yeah, we're, we're handling it internally. Yep. That's all we got on that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, that, we'll see where we're at. You know, that's it's the perfect it. response. Yeah. No one will ever remember that it even happened. No. And that's that's that. I mean, again, unless there's just some crazy detail that has not been included in what's been reported. There you go. So not not a ton to say about that. Now let's go to basketball, where things things aren't going too hot uh, for those boys. They they could they have a real opportunity this week to turn it around. No doubt about that. Uh, but let's discuss it after I tell you about our final sponsor, the great Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory like the one that the balls will have against Iowa than a great whiskey. Uh, and I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap. We've had both. We've shown both uh, here on this very show. It is super tasty. goes great in cocktails. Also, is great neat in a glass. Uh, you can find Rattle and Snap in stores across the state of Tennessee, but also in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. So run, don't walk, to get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Follow them on Instagram, at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Thanks to them. They've been they've been bros for a long time now. We really appreciate it. So basketball uh, to wrap up the show went to Maui, beat Syracuse, narrowly lost to Purdue, which was super annoying. Uh, but then kind of got their butt kicked by Kansas. Not not great. 
Then they go to North Carolina and they really got their butt kicked in the Dean Dome. I mean, just really gave up. Was it 63 points in the first half? I mean, just an astronomical amount of points for a team that under Rick Barnes has really been built to have a hard-nosed defense. I mean, I I was beside myself watching that game. I, tur- I, <laughs> I know a lot of people genuinely do this, but I very, very rarely actually like straight up turn off Tennessee sports or ignore them. I did. I was like, no, we're not doing this. Not tonight. You cannot ruin my night like this. I won't allow it. Now they they came back in that second half and I tuned back in, but I, you know, they, they got it back down to I think six, maybe in that second half. I mean, they made it respectable again. They ended up losing by single digits. But I mean, what in the world was that? That said, Dalton Connect went out there against North Carolina in the Dino and put on an absolute clinic. I mean, he that he's special. He's really really special he scored 37 points and it was uh the stat that i saw it was the most points ever scored by an opposing player in the dean dome or it was tied it was tied tied, he would have set the record if he probably if he wouldn't have got hurt yeah if he doesn't get hurt he sets that record and and so just an unreal performance but then he twists his ankle and, and it looks pretty bad initially. I mean, I think both, both of us, we were sort of like, it looked like a pretty routine turning of an ankle, but he wasn't putting weight on it, and it looked really concerning there for a minute. But then, thankfully, practice footage came out today and a, and a couple of different reports that said uh, that, that he should be good by the Illinois game, which is this coming Saturday, I want to say. Um, they're playing George Mason tomorrow, which is not going to be just like the world's easiest out. George Mason is not a terrible team uh, at all. And, and actually, it's where Kim English was. Kim English went to Providence. But, um, I mean, he, he put together a pretty decent team there. And they're playing in Thompson Bowling on Tuesday night. Uh, but, I, you know, Tennessee should win that. Then hopefully you get Connect back for the Illinois game. But uh, it's not going to be as, you know, as easy as maybe we thought it was going to be with Connect just raining down points. It seems like Tennessee kind of has some of those offensive problems still. Oh, well, what's it so much the offense really is the defense that was surprising to me. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that was the biggest thing. But oh, there was a weird vibe. That team just seemed off playing in there. Like it was one of those games like, like Tennessee and South Carolina football where something was off. I don't know what. Vescovy, that whole deal was strange. And, and Barnes pretty much throwing him under the bus, you know, maybe deservedly so, whatever the case, after the game. The three straight losses, you've played three pretty good teams. Like I think I think UNC is probably better than we might have expected them to be. Maybe they're kind of finding their groove under Hubert Davis. I don't know. They've been kind of up and down throughout his whole tenure. We'll see what happens with them. But they're playing pretty decent right now. And obviously, you know, playing two of the best teams in the country, it was a brutal three-game stretch. And you would – ideally, you'd want to win two out of those three. Uh, you want to salvage winning one out of those three. Tough to lose all three. It's not going to hurt you too much come tournament time, I don't think, just because we've seen that the losses don't really seem to, to hurt that much. And I'm still not like I'm not in panic mode or anything like that because this this UNC team got destroyed by Tennessee two years ago in the same time of year. 
they went to the final four and, and almost won a national championship that season with 10 losses, I believe 10 or 11 losses. So we've seen teams kind of do this in November and rebound and be just fine. This Tennessee team at its best, we know can play with anyone in the country. They weren't at their best against Kansas. They weren't at their best against UNC. You know, we, we just kind of trying to see how it plays out. The Vestavy deal is more kind of like what, what's going on there. That that's kind of where my attention goes. Yeah, I I still think even with those three losses, my guess is this team doesn't finish the regular season with more than eight or nine losses. I, I personally, the, oh, you look yeah. at the SEC and it. I, I look at the SEC and I look at how Tennessee's team stacks up. Where they really struggle is when they face really good big men. Which that all three of the teams that they lost to are Armando Baycott, Hunter Dickinson, uh, it's and Zach Eady. You know, all three in a row, and they they just ate Adu's lunch and then at North Carolina Toby Awaka didn't even play and Toby Awaka really would have been better I personally I think better defensively at least against North Carolina because he just is so much more of a it's he's a bigger body um in the paint a Adu Adu is not bad he's also just not he's just not a killer he doesn't take up a lot of space he's very skinny and and while I while I like him he he is not a, a dominant scoring big man. Uh, he he is he's finesse. If anything, I mean, I, I would put it this way: <laughs> Dalton Connect backs down more guys than Jonas Adu does, and that's not a great sign when Jonas Adu is your post player and Dalton Connects, you know, your your shooting guard, small forward. So I'm like, there's there's that element, and hopefully, if a Waka, I already I think I tweeted this a couple weeks ago, but like. Awaka and Adu coming along is is really more important for this team in the long run. When you're talking about you know making it through the tournament, playing in a championship, that that's really more important than Connect because I think it's it is unequivocally true that Connect's going to be a special dude and score a ton of points for you this season. That is happening. That is going to happen, and it's going to happen in almost every game. So you can count on that if if he'll stay healthy. Obviously, all of this is everybody stays healthy because Awaka's been injured, and and so is Connect. But everybody stays healthy. I think Awaka and Adu coming along is more important almost than Connect because you you can trust that Connect's going to be that dude. Now, also, uh, I think mo- multiple people said it here in the comments. Gre- Greg and Papa Jay both said Vescovy. Vescovy. I mean, Barnes sat him on the bench and then wrung him out after that North Carolina game and basically just, just called him out and said he has to do more and um, – I, I think that's absolutely true. Zakai Ziegler, I mean, he's he's coming along uh, well enough. I I think by by the end of the season, he he'll be himself again, and I think that'll be fine. So I I I just look at this. The SEC is not going to be amazing. I mean, Alabama's already lost two three times. Kentucky just lost to UNC Wilmington. You know, I mean, K- Kentucky. You want to talk about a team that, that doesn't really have a post presence? At least at the moment, I think they they do have a seven footer on their team, but you know. Kentucky is all backcourt for the most part. And, and so it sets up decently well for, for Tennessee to have success in the sec this year, but you know, for them to get to that elite status, a few things have to happen because connect is going to be good period. But if, if a walk and can come along, Vescovy can get his act together. Sakai Ziegler really does progress, progress and get back to the point where he's been before it, it'll be fine. And and we'll just see how good they are by the the end of the regular season. I 
yeah, I'm not in panic mode. Beat Illinois this week. You're, you know, that that's a, a really good opportunity to get a, another quad one win, and you'll you'll be all right. Just just get yeah, it together. I mean, like Ben Hall says, that's kind of what I was thinking. You want to peak February. That's kind of the the time of year. Exactly. When you got, I mean, you got to win games, right? Right. Like you got to go win games, of course. But losing these three games is not not the end of the world because it's the three really good teams. They're not bad, you know, losses. They're they're unfortunate losses. They're they're sucky losses that you don't want to have to experience. But they're not bad losses like Kentucky's to UNC Wilmington. So, yeah, plenty of time left to peak. Now you lose to George Mason tomorrow night. That's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, like, you, you, you got to win games. Like, you can't keep losing games, but it, it's not the end of the world, those three games. Yeah, uh, just just keep, you know, on onward and upward. And and I think this team is in a, a fine spot overall. I'm, I'm not panicking yet. It, it, I could be. They lose to George Mason, they lose to Illinois. I'll, sure, we can have that conversation. But uh, until then, and it is that, that Illinois game, is it? Yeah, it's in Thompson Bowling. It's not a neutral site. Um, so great opportunity for a win there. You also got NC State, Georgia Southern, Tarleton State. Tarleton State? Like Tarleton, Texas? Yeah, wow. Tarleton State. I didn't even realize that was a game we were going to play. Norfolk State and then Old Miss is the start of SEC play on January 6th. Um, and so, yeah, get get through. Get to that Old Miss game undefeated. All's well that ends well there as, as far as I'm concerned and then see how we do in SEC play. But that's pretty much it. Anything else, Zach, for the folks at home uh, before we bounce out of here for another week? No, we just uh, we'll stay on portal watch here the next few days and, and see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully Tennessee makes some moves without losing too many more guys. Hopefully that that's all. And, and hopefully next week we're talking about, you know, maybe Justin Jolie is, is committed yeah. or there's more, you know, good transfer pickups or maybe Jordan Seaton commits to Tennessee. Please. Let yeah. That Thursday, happen. Thursday, oh. he announces, I believe. So yep. coming up very soon. Went to a visit uh, to Ohio state this past weekend. So they're trying to, mm. they're trying to get in there and, and move the needle a little. I think Oregon is the other team that's, that's really oh. up there for him. Jordan, if you're listening, just know that uh, I I have very good sources that say Ryan Day is leaving um, for an NFL job. That take me at my word. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and so you should choose Tennessee. I, I think that's a no-brainer. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who watched. Seriously, I, mean, I appreciate it. Mr. Jones, James, Greg, Elias, everybody who's commented, Chad, Ben. Uh, we we couldn't appreciate it more. Timothy, Papa J, Billy Bob, you guys are the best. Uh, you, you keep the the comments section on fire every single week. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We couldn't do this show without you. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty much it. You know where to find us if you if you got in here. A to Z sports.com for all the stuff that uh, that we're doing. That's it, and we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. <laughs>